Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. So last Sunday, I preached my first ever message on casting out demons. First ever. And I had a meeting with somebody afterwards, and they said, Kate, how long have you been in the deliverance ministry? I said, well, since Sunday. A few days. I'm, I'm brand new. Um, I knew that it was what the Lord wanted last Sunday, 100% confident, but I had no idea what would happen as a result of the message that I was going to preach. So I ended up being delivered from a spirit of infirmity in front of everyone. And I, I know that stirs up some questions. I mean, how can a pastor who's clearly led by the Holy Spirit be dealing with a demon, right? And I'm going to explain that today, but I'm also going to give you uh, some glimpse, like some insider knowledge into what was going on in my head last Sunday. I'm sure many of you want to know, and I, but I'm going to start with the progression that led up to this moment. So I used to be scared of the thought of demons. Anybody? Just scared of the thought of, I eliminated that fear long before this day, but I still had a massive lack of understanding uh, regarding casting out demons because I just kind of avoided the subject. It's not a very popular subject. I mean, you don't hear it talked about a lot in church, so it's pretty easy to avoid. And, and I, it was real convenient just to like read over those all those times that Jesus did that in the ministry, he's like, whoo, go Jesus, now we're going to move on into something else, right? Um, so several months leading up to last Sunday, the Holy Spirit began to open my eyes, and I began to notice that there were people around me, there were Christians around me being tormented by demons. And I, knew the, I know the voice of the Holy Spirit, I knew it was him revealing this to me, but I continued to reason myself out of it because I've always heard that a Christian cannot have a demon, and then the Holy Spirit led me to the Gospel of Luke to study the ministry of Jesus and the countless times that he cast out demons. And in less than an hour, it only took, it took less than an hour for the Holy Spirit to obliterate every bit of wrong teaching and lead me into the truth. You know, it's amazing what happens when you get with the Holy Spirit and you sit down and you open the Word of God and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me, instead of going and listening to what somebody else has said about the subject. I highly recommend it. I found out that demons don't possess your spirit. They possess your physical body or they possess your mind. So yes, even somebody with a born-again spirit can be tormented by demons in their physical body or tormented by demons in their mind. And many times this comes as a result of allowing sin into your life. When you participate in the things of the devil, it opens the door for demons to torment you. But that's not the only way demons get in. Some people are molested by demons at a young age because of what their parent or another adult brought into their life. And there are even times when the devil will send a mob of demons after somebody to slow them down or to stop what they are doing for God. I explained all of that in detail last week. If you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it. But in 2020, I talk about this a lot, but I had a choice to make. Would I continue being a people-pleasing, feel-good pastor? I mean, I was pretty good at that. Or would I get dressed for battle and destroy the works of the enemy? And I chose the latter. And when I did, the anointing on my life multiplied exponentially. Like, it's like my preaching came alive. And uh, like before, my preaching sounded nice and it kept everybody happy. But now my words carry the very power of God. The saints are being equipped, strongholds are being broken, and the enemy's furious about all that happening. So along with that anointing came great opposition. People began to turn against me. And my physical body became very sick. There were days that I would only be able to work 30 minutes at a time. And then I'd have to go lay down for about an hour to restore my energy, to get back up, to work 30 minutes and do the same thing again. I would sit at my desk and I was unable to take a deep breath. It's kind of like my chest was in a vice grip that just continued to tighten and tighten and tighten. Fear tried to take over. 
Anxiety tried to consume me, but in that moment, the power of God rose up within me. The Holy Spirit led me to scriptures that renewed my mind and dispelled the fear. It was incredible. I became confident that no matter how bad the symptoms got, they would not stop me and they would not kill me. I was pressing on because the word of God promises me that I will live to enjoy my grandchildren. And I clung to that promise. I was pressing on, and I did. I showed up every Sunday to release the word of God with great power, no matter how bad I felt. I never stayed home sick. I would pry myself out of bed and drag myself to church. And once I got there, the anointing would show up, and I would lead the church with great power and authority from that anointing, and then I'd go home and be completely wiped out. Beth can verify. Because of this, no one knew what I was going through, and I didn't tell anybody what I was going through because I didn't want to say anything that would destroy somebody else's faith. There were multiple times that I would wake up with a grueling stomach ache out of nowhere. And leading up to this point, I hadn't thrown up in over a decade. But over the past three years, I've been in the bathroom crying out in pain, vomiting at least five times. At least five times. And every time, it was on a Saturday night. Every time. Morning would come, I would get dressed and get the family ready, and we came to church. I was determined not to let anything stop me from declaring the word that God had for our church that Sunday. Not going to let it stop me. So I believed that a Christian, especially a pastor who was truly one with Christ, could not have a demon. So I did everything else that I knew, y'all, to get rid of the sickness. I did it all. I went through several two-week detox programs, tortured myself, right, with those detox programs. I ate a perfect diet. I exercised. I made sure I was getting enough sleep. I declared healing scriptures over my body. I wrote healing scriptures on the mirror. I asked people to pray for me. I went to healing services. I went through Andrew Womack's Healing University. Like, I did everything that I knew how to do. Now, the severity of the sickness did decrease over time, and I think that was a result of my mind being renewed and setting up that barrier, you're not going any further. But, so it became something that I could tolerate. Sure, my nose was stopped up all the time, and I was always tired, but I just used that as an opportunity to let the spirit lead instead of the flesh. Of course, the enemy wanted me to believe that this was all God's will for me, that he was allowing the sickness in my life to increase my faith or build endurance or whatever. But I know the Bible better than that. Y'all, Jesus is the one who revealed the will of God, and he never left anybody sick to teach them something. He never left anybody sick to teach them something. God does not use sickness to teach you something. There is only one thing that Jesus said that you have to put up with in this life. Does anybody know what it is? Persecution. Well, somebody will say, well, he said suffering, and he said suffering for my name's sake, a.k.a persecution. Yes, you're going to have to put up with persecution, but do you have to put up with sickness? No. So I didn't latch on to that lie, although it sure would have made things easier. At least my suffering would have had a purpose, (laughs) y'all. Then came that day that the Holy Spirit led me to teach my first message on casting out demons, and I knew people had them, and I was really excited to see them free. So that morning, I knew I had God's word for the church. I knew it would be released with great power and authority, and I knew that the Holy Spirit had perfected my message. I knew it was his, his message. So I delivered the message and then invited people to come to the altar who needed deliverance, and about 10 people came up. I didn't realize that would happen. I thought nobody would come up, because I was still like, you know, the word tells me that a Christian can have a demon, but, but surely not, right? And then, and then 10 people come up. It's like, wow, that, talk about a confirmation that I had the message at the right time. 
So I commissioned Jamie and the others who were called to deliverance to minister, and as they were ministering, I could sense Jesus himself walking back and forth on this stage, (laughs) just observing what was going on, what they were doing. And I walked with him, and he began to teach me the things that needed to change. One was binding demons, and the Lord told me to say, don't bind the demons, cast them out. For clarity, though, there is a place for binding demons. We'll get into that another time. But when somebody's ready to be free, you don't bind the demon, you cast it out. Others were talking and talking about the problem at hand, and the Lord told me to say, don't reason with demons. Don't sit there and talk about the issue. Don't start giving them advice. Just cast out demons. Cast it out. And he revealed to me how simple this is. He didn't say to pray it out. He didn't say to get a full understanding of what's going on first. He gave a simple command, cast out demons, period. So I taught this to the deliverance team, and then I sensed the Holy Spirit wanting me to release something through tongue and interpretation. So I released the tongue, and it started out as it has in the past. It was just this calm, powerful words. And then I began to shout the tongue, and then I began weeping in tongues, and finally it ended with a loud cry and a gagging reflex. I said, whoa, what was that? That last part was not God. Whoa. So Beth, who usually interprets my tongue, was taken aback. She said everything was flowing as usual. She was just getting the interpretation, and then suddenly everything changed. She didn't know what was happening, but she likened it to me giving birth to something. So after a pause, Mason came up and began the interpretation, and Beth continued and clarified the interpretation. And as all that was going on, the Holy Spirit was ministering directly to me in that moment, urging me to deal with the issue and not ignore it. I could feel a lump in my chest as if something was stuck on its way out right here. And the Holy Spirit said, this is going to be embarrassing. Many will not understand, but you must confirm that that was a manifestation and then call forth the one I told to deal with it. So I did just that. And I uh, asked, who was, supposed to, who was supposed to deal with that? You hesitated because I'm your leader. Who was it? And they raised their hand and I told them to deal with it. I didn't know what would happen next. I wasn't scared. I was shocked that there was this demon that I was dealing with, yet I didn't care how embarrassing it was. I was fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, just do it. And in less than a minute, that demon came out with a loud scream. I've never heard my voice scream like that, y'all. The whole time, my mind was fully intact. That demon did not have control of my mind. I was watching and listening to all of this happen just like you were. And I remember thinking, wow. That noise is obnoxious. There was no fear, no anxiety, but clearly my physical body was expelling a demon. And when it was over, I thought, well, was that it? And the Holy Spirit said, now your body can heal itself. Oh, that's what's been keeping me sick all this time. And later, Jamie confirmed that during the deliverance, the Holy Spirit revealed to her that she was dealing with a spirit of infirmity. The spirit of infirmity did not come as a result of sin. I've learned how to live in the righteousness God gave me. He gave me this gift of righteousness, and I've learned how to put it on and walk in it. You guys should learn to do the same. It's a gift. Just put it on and walk in it. I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing on towards perfection. And on the way, I sure am quick to repent. When you repent, when you're quick to repent, that keeps the door closed to the devil, y'all. This evil spirit was a mob sent against me to slow me down. And the only reason it could stick around is because I believed a lie that Christians cannot have a demon. 
my attachment to wrong teaching enabled that demon to stick around and torment my physical body. I'm sure it could have tormented my mind too, but thankfully I know how to renew my mind. So that didn't happen. Nevertheless, it was fully content to slow me down with sickness. But now I'm free. My body can heal itself. So if you're amazed with what the Lord has done through me so far, just wait to see what he can do without my physical body slowing me down. It's about to get epic. And you know, the thing that brings the most joy to my heart is the word that Carrie gave after this was all said and done. And here's what he said at the end of your word. You said, now that you have freedom, those you lead will experience freedom. And so there is a wave of freedom being released to all those under my care right now. I know it. So don't resist it. Receive it. Be free from every kind of demonic oppression. Just be free. Be free. Don't let your mind get in the way of what the Lord wants to do in this moment. Just be free. So now that my body is able to heal itself, I've already had several confirmations. My right nostril has been 100% stopped up all the time for the last three years. And air started moving through it the very afternoon that I was delivered. I know. Now, my other nostril was consistently about 50% stopped up, so I was living life with chronic congestion, which in turn ruined my sleep. It made it hard to eat, and the list goes on. But those tissues in my nose are still in the repair process, but my body can heal itself now. And here's what I keep hearing from the Lord. I will see this through to completion. And I'm asking him, why has it taken so long? Because we're not 100% there yet. And he just kind of gave me a visual of whenever, you know, you cut your finger or something like that, how those tissues take time to heal and mend themselves. That's what's going on. They've been inflamed. They've been messed up for three years now. Now they can heal themselves and it's going through the process and you will see the full result of me. I'm going to be breathing clearly through my, my nose. I know, I, you know, I talk about that with so much excitement. When you've been congested for three years, that is a reason to, to be excited. I tell you, I tell you what, you're like, man, that seems so minor. <laughs> oh man, I'm just excited. So that's just one of the many things that have changed already. My energy is increasing. My digestive system is calm. Like it's just calm on the inside and it's only the beginning. So watch out. I'm more energized than ever to destroy the works of the devil. What we've accomplished the past three years will pale in comparison to what we accomplished in these coming days. So now I'm going to continue teaching on casting out demons because there's more we need to know. And the Holy Spirit is taking me directly to the word to learn. And I'm just coming here and teaching you what he reveals to me. If you've been involved in deliverance ministry in the past, first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you. You took the road less traveled. And I'm sure you were ridiculed for it like crazy. But God bless your obedience. I say this with authority from the Lord. Don't hold on to the methods that you've used in the past. They worked then, but they're not what is needed now. The deliverance needed now will require you to part ways with the old methods to fully embrace what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us right now. And here's how Jesus would say it. You cannot put new wine into old wineskins. I know you've been yearning for deliverance to be accepted by the church, and y'all, that day is here, but don't think that means it's time to force specific methods. The method is not what matters. Deliverance is what matters. Don't hold on to previous methods because the Holy Spirit is teaching us the most effective way to cast out demons. And I'm not saying that what you did before was wrong. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's just not what's needed right now. We must be effective and efficient because a lot of deliverance is going to take place. A lot. 
We don't have time to sit down and go through a four-hour deliverance session. We, just, we don't have time for that. There's too many people that need deliverance. There are nations that need deliverance. There are institutions that need deliverance. So the Holy Spirit is showing us how to deliver them all quickly. All, just think of the ministry of Jesus. He comes, he teaches the multitudes, they all get delivered, and it happens very quickly. We are returning back to the ministry of Jesus and how he did things. Jesus teach us. So now let's head back to Luke chapter 4. We learned from this scripture last week, and there's more. And I just realized that I left my Bible in my bag, so I'm going to have to come down here and get it. Luke chapter 4. Verse 31, then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. And there too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. And once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched, and then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. And the news about Jesus spread throughout every village in the entire region. So just a quick recap of what we talked about last week. So the, I'm reading out the New Living Translation, and it talked about that. It said that man was possessed by a demon. If you go to the New King James Version, it said that man had a demon. So if you go to the original language that was translated to had or possessed, depending on what translation you're reading, you find out that it's, it's really simple. It means either you're holding hands with something, or you've put it on like clothes, or it has possession of your mind, or you've become one with it, kind of like in marriage. So that's what it's talking about. It said nothing about your spirit. So you have to kind of deconstruct what you think about the word possession. You think that it possesses their mind, body, and spirit, like the whole thing. You're giving the devil too much credit. He can't do that. But today, what I want you to see is that this man who was delivered, did you realize that he was following Jesus? He was following Jesus. And he was in the synagogue. Y'all, he was in the synagogue. And Jesus was present. He was right there with him. Yet notice the demon didn't come out automatically. Isn't that interesting? First, Jesus had to teach with great authority. This caused the demon to come out of hiding, and then Jesus had to command it to come out. And this is an incredible illustration that a Christian might need deliverance. They're following Christ. They are the temple. Jesus is present within their spirit, yet just like this man, a demon might be tormenting them. It could show up as chronic sickness. That demon may even have a hold of their mind, inserting ungodly thoughts. And this sounds terrifying, right? You're like, oh no, I might have a demon. But it's really not terrifying. All it takes for demons to be cast out is somebody who knows their authority in Christ to come up to you and cast it out, and then it's done. Nothing to be scared of. But if that demon can convince you that this is not a demonic issue, you'll stay sick. You'll stay tormented in your mind because if the cause is a demon, nothing works except casting it out. The Lord used me as a demonstration before your very eyes last week. I'm born again. I'm living in victory over sin. I'm living a consecrated life. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I'm in complete obedience to God, even when he asked me to do things that might just ruin my reputation. 
Yet a demon was keeping me sick. It had a hold of my physical body. And even though there were times that I wondered, over the last three years, I wondered, is this demonic? I would quickly refute it and refuse to go there because I'm like, nope, can't be demonic because a Christian can't be possessed by a demon. I was sick for over three years because I didn't study this in the word of God myself. I'm embarrassed to say I've never studied casting out demons until now. I could have been free three years ago, but since I wasn't aligned with the Bible in this area, it enabled that demon to stay in hiding and continue to torment me. You're going to be surprised at the amount of deliverance that takes place now. It starts in the house of the Lord. Jesus has served an eviction notice to every demon that is tormenting his people. And you know where it goes next? Once the house of God is delivered, we can take it out into the world. Oh man, and that's not even half of it. Then we take it into the education system and we deliver that from the demonic oppression. We take it into the government and we deliver the government from demonic oppression. Because I don't know if you realize this, but the only reason that our education system is possessed like it is right now is because we left the house empty. There used to be prayer in school. There used to be Bible in school. We took it out, left the house empty. Those demons gladly came back in and you can see the results of it. Mm. I know some of y'all are still struggling with this. So... Let's go through the scriptures people use to prove that demons cannot, or to scriptures people use to prove that Christians cannot have demons. How about we go to those? 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? So people use this to teach that Christians cannot have a demon because their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. They believe since the Holy Spirit is present, a demon cannot be. And the biggest problem with this is they're taking this verse out of context. Because in this scripture, the, Paul is reprimanding Christians who are engaging in sexual sin. Convenient how we can just pull out this one and not talk about the whole sexual sin issue, right? He makes some incredible points about why you should stay away from sexual sin. And this statement is the pinnacle of them all. He's saying the Holy Spirit lives in the very body that you're using to engage in sin. That is not a good idea. That's what he's saying here. He's reminding Christians that they were bought with a high price, so you must honor God with your body by running from sexual sin. Even though you are saved, you can allow sin in your physical body. You can allow it. And the same goes for a demon. If you allow it to be there, it's going to take up residence, and it's going to give you sickness as a reward. Isn't that nice? So kind. Let me drive this home with another illustration from Jesus. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11, verse 15, and it says, When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Heard that story before? It's a popular one. What was going on in the temple? Sin, theft, the works of the devil. In the temple, y'all. <laughs> it was going on in the temple. 
The temple was supposed to be a house of prayer, but they allowed it to become a den of thieves. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple, but that doesn't exempt it from being taken over by evil. If you allow it, it'll come in. And if you do, in order to be free, you'll have to drive it out. There's a reason casting out demons tends to be dramatic. You're driving them out. They don't want to leave, but they know that they have to now. And so they make a loud noise on their way out. Kind of reminds me of when you see a kid who doesn't want to leave the playground. Anybody seen that before when you're out? What happens whenever that, the parents tell them it's time to leave? They scream like something's killing them. Man, it's dramatic. So last week, that's what the demon did coming out of my physical body. That was not me screaming. I've never screamed like that in my life. It was obnoxious, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll never scream like that. Maybe this is what keeps you from pursuing deliverance, though. You don't want it to be dramatic. Well, you just go ahead and keep that demon then, because it'll hide behind your pride. I'll be honest. I was wrestling with this last week. I knew the demon was there after what had happened. Holy Spirit told me to deal with it publicly, and I thought, well, what will people think? I'm their leader. They can't see me like this. But the fear of the Lord came over me when the Holy Spirit said about the fifth time, you better deal with this now. Can't we do it later in private? No, deal with it right now. So trembling before God and trembling before you guys, <laughs> before the church, I opened my mouth and I said, that was a manifestation of a demon who was supposed to cast it out. And I was hoping it all happened calmly and quietly at that point, but that's not what happened. And you know what I was thinking after church that Sunday? Is anybody going to come back to church? <laughs> Did I just ruin everything? Can we still become the church that makes Owasso a safe haven until Jesus comes? You know, to all those questions, this, I was out in my pasture walking, and these were the thoughts going through my head after church. And to all those questions, I heard the Holy Spirit say this, you don't have to apologize for being delivered. <laughs> I know. So I want to take a moment right now and glorify God. I've been delivered. That spirit of infirmity has been cast out. Now my body can heal itself, and the Lord will see it through to completion. Praise God. I give him the glory. Man, I had some precious times with the Lord this week. I was in tears basically from Sunday to Tuesday, just crying from the goodness of God. I was just so thankful. But while I was wrestling with all of this, I was also reminded of the prophetic word that Carrie spoke over me at the end of service. I mentioned part of it, and at the beginning of it, though, he said this. He said, today is the breaking of a dam. The steps you have taken today, the actions of faith you have taken today are going to manifest and trigger what you have been crying out for. It's like a blockage that has been totally released. Glory to God. We're in the free flow now, baby. <laughs> Nothing's holding us back. We're going to move quickly to become what God has declared about us. And here's what he has declared about us. No Limits Church will occupy the city of Owasso until Jesus comes. Our leadership and influence will make Owasso a safe haven until he comes. We're going to occupy by owning businesses in Owasso, serving on city council and school board, and we'll have three church locations right here in Owasso. No Limits Church will be the talk of the city. People are going to say that's where you go to meet Jesus. That's where you go to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where you go to be healed and delivered. He spoke this over us back in January before we even knew we were going to be getting into this deliverance stuff. Healed and 
Make no mistake, he didn't, have, he didn't speak that to me out of accident. He could have just said, that's where you go to be healed. But no, he didn't say that. Healed and delivered. Praise God. Woo! We will become the leading force in Owasso. No other organization will have the influence that we do, and we're going to steward that influence well. It's going to be marked by righteousness. Praise God. So that's a prophetic word the Lord spoke to me a few months ago. It's not my vision for the church. That is not my vision for the church. It's God's vision for the church, which has made it my vision for the church. And bless God, we're going to fulfill it. Another scripture we need to look at regarding the subject of Christians being delivered is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 14. And it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their unfilthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Glory to God. Woo, that's good stuff. Praise the Lord. So people use this to teach that Christians can't have a demon because it said light and darkness can't coexist. But this scripture we read didn't say that they can't coexist. It says that they shouldn't. Clarity. This becomes clear when you keep reading into chapter 7. Sometimes we stop at those chapter breaks whenever there's a continued thought right after it. And we know that's the case here because it says, Therefore, therefore, tying it together, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You have to make the choice to cleanse yourself. You have to make the choice. Separate yourself from sin. Refrain from partnering with unbelievers. Cast out every unclean spirit. That's a decision that you have to make. God doesn't make choices for you. Sometimes we wish that he would, don't we? He does not make choices for you. He provides the way out, but you have to choose to take it. There's one final illustration I want to give you to help you understand. There's Christians who need deliverance. In this world we live in, there's viruses being cast around, passed around, right? There's viruses. They're microscopic. You can't see them, but you know they exist because you experience the results of them whenever they come into your body. Notice the virus has to come inside of your body to make you sick. It has to come inside of your body to make you sick. When it's on the outside, no problem. But as soon as it finds its way in, this, there are symptoms to prove that it's there. Then your body works to expel, destroy, or should we say cast out the virus, as soon as it's in there, your immune system goes into full-on deliverance mode. Somehow, we're all able to understand that though this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that virus can still come in. Yet, we deny that a demon can come into our physical body. Where does sickness come from? Come on, we act like they're two different things. Can you see how convenient this is for the devil? Because with that mindset, you allow sickness because, well, that's just how it is. We're all passing around viruses and whatever. And then you also allow demons to hide within because if we don't recognize they're there, they don't get cast out. Both sickness and demons are from the devil. Both sickness and demons are from the devil. And that's why everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick and cast out demons. They always worked hand in hand. Man, that was good, wasn't it? 
Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.